0: Amen. Thank you for standing. If you have your Bible, I'll take you very quickly to the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 9 and verse number 19. If you will bear with me, I am holding on to my voice by a thread. And it is a thread that is worn. It's kind of like the seams on some riches that fat folks like me wear they hanging in there but it ain't by much so if you'll you'll bear with me I believe the Lord has a divine and sovereign purpose in this room today I believe that without a doubt God has moved into this place already with a sweet moving and a ministering spirit but I believe the Lord has a divine word it's not very often the Lord wakes me up early. He's pretty well aware that I'm not the greatest of morning people. But I laid in a hotel room Saturday morning. The Lord woke me up about 5 o'clock, 5.45. and began to minister to me the word that I will relate to you today. Nehemiah chapter number 9 and verse number 19. said, yet thou... In thy manifold mercies forsook them not in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud departed not from them by day to lead them in the way, neither the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way wherein they should go. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them, and withheldest not thy manna from their mouth, and gave them water for their thirst. Yea, forty years did thou sustain them in the wilderness. So they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old and their feet swelled not. Forty years he sustained them. So I want to preach to you this morning. They've already sang about both sides of where I'm going. I want to preach to you this morning on this simple thought. Sometimes he simply sustains. Sometimes he simply sustains. Would you lift up your hands and your voice to heaven one more time and ask the Lord to help us. God, we ask you for a divine moving and ministering of the Lord to sweep over this sanctuary. God, that you would move and minister by your great might, by your word, and by your spirit to this great people. Do whatever you desire and however you desire to do it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord one more time as you're being seated. I love to tell sermon stories in the sanctuary. I don't feel near as old when I tell stories here. That's when I tell them in the youth department. Because I make references to years like 2007 in the sanctuary, and people remember it, and were alive for it. Sometimes I make references to errors of life in the youth room, and they weren't even born yet. And they stare at me with this decrepit look, Just wondering when I'm going to cough up dust. I won't ever forget 2007. I just began driving. I had not long been removed from my permit. And my dad had been gracious enough to me to let me drive his 2002 four-door Dodge Ram. Not because he was giving it to me as a first car, but because we were waiting until we saved up a little more to get my first car. But I paraded that Dodge Ram around my high school like it was mine. I pulled into the parking lot, and I parked right beside the nicest of nice cars because it was nice. And I needed to feel like I fit in there because this was the era of high school, and it may still happen today, where... Aftermarket things were wonderful. Everybody wanted to pull into the school parking lot and talk about their aftermarket stereo that they spent $2,500 on. Knowing good and well their car didn't cost quite that. <clears throat> they would put tires and rims and aftermarket exhaust and they would park in the parking lot and they would compare stories about all these incredible things they had done to their vehicle. The 2002 Dodge Ram did not have a system. I did not have a stereo system that rattled windows. But on occasion, I would go to the EQ settings of my dad's truck, and I would turn the bass all the way up, and I would turn the radio all the way up, and I would pretend. It sounded nothing like everyone else's $1,000 stereo, but it sufficed. Until that wonderful day when my dad came home smiling from ear to ear, Brother Scully, and he said, I've got your first car. Well, I've been driving around in a four-door truck. This should be good. Wrong. I walked out into our yard excited and thrilled to see what my new car was going to be because surely... It should be the equivalent of what I've been driving. Also wrong. I walked out to gaze upon a 1995 Dodge Neon. It had psychedelic print triangle seats. Not only did it not have a stereo system, it didn't have AM or FM. Not only did it not have AM or FM, it did not have heat or air. It also had no power windows. This is where the youth group would be lost. You had to reach over. The worst first world problem, tragedy. Not only did it not have all of the... I mean, I did not park the 95 Neon in the circle of nice vehicles at my high school so we could compare. Look at my system. Look at my wheels. Look at the exhaust. Look at my windows. (laughs) Look at my radio. It doesn't work no matter which way you turn it. I no longer parked over there with those guys. In fact, my 95 Dodge Neon, you know, while they were riding around boasting of their six-disc CD changers, I was riding around with a six-pack of fuses <laughs> because every four or five miles, it would die, and I'd have to get out and put a fuse in and crank it back up. One day, I'll never forget it, I was skipping lunch. There's no young people in here. You're out of schools. It doesn't count. I don't have to preface this with don't skip school. (laughs) I had skipped because they were serving something that was inedible. And I am a connoisseur of food. I may not do a lot of things good, but I'm going to eat good. I've had that since birth. I'll never forget I was skipping school. Not the whole day. I just was skipping lunch so I could go get something edible. And I was in the Wendy's drive-thru in my 95 five-speed, I forgot to mention that, five-speed Dodge Neon. And I'm in the drive-thru line, and I've ordered my food, and the line is all the way back to the road because it's lunch hour. And how wonderful of a time to blow a fuse. And my car dies in the middle of the Wendy's drive-thru line. And I have to get out. And signal the entire drive through line to back up so that I could push my 95 Neon into a parking spot, change out the fuse, crank up my car, and go back to school. But guess who was behind me at Wendy's? None other than the school security officer. And so he watched me push my car into the parking spot and change out the fuse and he pulled over and he said i'll see you at the principal's office when you get back and smiled and drove away there was nothing very braggadocious about 95 neon they would brag about their aftermarket additions but never did anybody pull up and say you know what i got an oil change this week i got an air filter those things were non-factors. They were not boisterous. They were not big. They were not loud. They were not shiny. But truth be told, they were the things that sustained the car. It didn't look like much, but it was the sustaining force behind their entire vehicle. Vehicle. Can I tell you there are things in your life that don't look miraculous, that don't look powerful. They don't have a great story, but they are the sustaining factor of what God is doing in your world. They are the sustaining force of what God is doing in your house. Don't overlook the small thing. Don't overlook the little things. Don't overlook the times when God simply sustains you. there are some things that God does that we are quick to celebrate. We're quick to highlight them and rightly so. The powerful works of his hand are incredible. And when miracles come and when walls fall and when giants are slayed, certainly they are worth celebrating. But can I tell you that if you've lived for God long, you know that not every day walls fall. Not every day is a giant slaying day. Not every day does the water part and you walk across the Red Sea. Some days God simply sustains. Some days we wander in wildernesses and dry seasons and barren places. Places that we don't celebrate, we don't memorialize. In fact, sometimes we wander in seasons of life that we would rather soon forget that we walked in. But let us not overlook those seasons because somewhere between mountaintops there was a season where God simply sustained you. Where God moved in your family, where God moved in your spirit and in your mind. And walls may not have fallen and the ground may not have shaken, but God was sustaining you nonetheless. His mighty acts are incredible, but in seasons when walls aren't falling and fire has not consumed the sacrifice, let us not grow weary because sometimes he simply sustains. Let us not overlook that his hand is working when you don't see it. That his strength is upholding you when you may not feel it. That his arm is going before you when you can't perceive it and you don't know what he's doing. Sometimes in seasons that we grow weary, God is just sustaining us. Nehemiah is riding in the midst of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And he begins to recollect the mighty things that God had done for Israel. In fact, in just a matter of a few verses, he gives one of the greatest summaries of the majority of the book of Exodus. He begins to summarize the wonderful works of God in the wilderness. Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 11, he says this, And thou didst divide the sea before them. So they went through the midst of the sea on dry land. And their prosecutors thou threwest into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover thou lettest them in the day by cloudy pillar and at night by pillar of fire to give them light in the way where they should go. Thou camest down also on Sinai and spake with them from heaven. Gave them right judgments, true laws, good statutes and commandments and made them known unto them thy holy Sabbath commanded them precepts and statutes and laws by the hand of Moses, thy servant, gave them bread from heaven for their hunger brought forth from them water of the rock for their thirst and promised them that they should go and possess the land. Nehemiah gives an incredible summary of the journey of Israel through the wilderness, reminding them of all the incredible, mighty feats that God had wrought before them but just after these verses he comes back to where we began this morning and he says yea, 40 years did thou sustain them in the wilderness they lack nothing their clothes wax not old and their feet swell not certainly They would rejoice over the parting of the sea. Certainly, they would celebrate the hand of God as it carved on the tables of stone. Certainly, as the waters ran freely from a rock, they could say, what a mighty God we serve. But it's a little less celebratory To say, what a mighty God we serve. Look at this 38-year-old shirt. Nobody celebrates the 38-year-old shirt. Nobody celebrates the 39-year-old shoes. They're just simple. They're not powerful. They're just practical. Sometimes if we're not careful, we will allow ourselves to only celebrate the powerful. When God day by day loads us with practical benefits and blessings and mercies and we want to celebrate walls that fall and we overlook sometimes that God has been sustaining us the whole way through. When the sea didn't part, he was still keeping them. When the falling of walls hadn't occurred yet, God was still guiding them. When they didn't see water from a rock, God was still as powerful as he was the day that it burst forth and flowed freely to the whole nation. God was still working for them, even when he was not doing the powerful and the miraculous. God was sustaining them. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear thin. God was sustained sometimes. You don't see it powerfully. Sometimes you don't see it miraculously. Sometimes God simply sustains. Doesn't seem like a powerful testimony in comparison to say, oh, look what God did at the Red Sea. Doesn't seem powerful enough. To say, look at this shirt that never wore out. Doesn't seem powerful enough in comparison. To say, hey, you remember when that rock burst forth and gave us water? Oh, what a mighty day. Doesn't seem like much to say, hey, these are the same shoes I had on in Egypt. Can I tell you it's just as powerful when God sustains you. As when God does the miraculous in your midst. It's just as powerful a season when God is sustaining you for Canaan. As when God is miraculously delivering you out of Egypt. It's just as powerful when God sustains you for 38 years. You have the same shirt for 40 years. You wear the same shoe. It's just as powerful. Don't grow weary because you're not seeing the powerful thing. Don't grow weary because you're not seeing what you desire to see. Don't grow weary because walls aren't falling and seas aren't parting and doors aren't opening yet. Sometimes God simply sustains. Not every day. Not every day, Elijah. Elijah is fire going to fall from heaven and consume the sacrifice? Not every day is going to be filled with a crowd of onlookers observing the victory at the base of the mountain. But it's not any less a work of God when you sit alone by the brook and ravens sustain you by His hand. It's not any less a work of God on the days that fire doesn't fall And God uses the meager meal of a widow to sustain you in your isolation. I know it doesn't look boisterous, and it doesn't look big, and it it doesn't look like something we'd write about or that we'd write songs about. But oh, how mighty it is in seasons when God simply sustains. Oh, why don't you clap your hands and thank Him for His sustaining power. Certainly, certainly the father of the prodigal would have welcomed the miraculous deliverance and return of his son far before he came. But yet this story is not absent of the work of God as he sustains not only the prodigal until he came to himself and came home, but he sustains the faith of the Father to feed daily a fatted calf. Just a small public service announcement. Things don't get fat from one meal. This is not the product of the one chicken meal I had yesterday. I mean, three pounds of it might be, but the other 297 came from way beyond that. When the Bible tells us that the father welcomes him with fatted calf, and robe, and ring. That was not the efforts of an off-the-cuff decision. That was not the welcome party that he just sporadically thought of. No, he had been sustained in his faith to believe and know. That one day I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep making preparation. I'm going to keep feeding the calf. I'm going to keep the robe in the closet. I'm going to keep the ring close by. Because one day I'm going to welcome home a son. One day he's not going to dwell in the mire of the pig pen anymore. It doesn't look miraculous Day after day, year after year, it doesn't look miraculous that the father is feeding the fatted calf and dusting off the robe and making sure the ring's in place. Just seems mundane. Just seems like another day on the farm. Let's go slop the fatted calf. Maybe that's not the appropriate term for calves, but That's what my grandfather used to make me do to pigs. Let's go feed the calf. Another day weighs. Well, today I think I'll feed the calf and I'll dust off the robe and I'll ready the ring. And you know what? Tomorrow I'll get up and I'll feed the calf and I'll dust off the robe and I'll ready the ring. And then the next day I'll get up and I'll feed the calf and I'll dust off the robe and I'll ready the ring. It doesn't sound miraculous. It doesn't sound powerful. But do you realize that somewhere in the process, faith was sustained and God was working in the life of a prodigal? It may not seem miraculous. In fact, some days it was overlooked more than it was celebrated that the 38-year-old shirt still fits. It's not as exciting as the parting of the Red Sea. Sure, on day one, manna was incredible. But you read Israel's story, they grew weary of manna. Because manna, manna in year 38 is not as impressive as manna On day one, oh, look, it's manna. Tomorrow, it's manna. Guess what's on the menu? It's manna. Sure, the first time it fell from heaven, it was awe and wonder. But I wonder, after year, after year, after year, after year, did it have the same effect? Surely it didn't because they petitioned God for something other than manna. But what they failed to realize is that while the manna no longer looked miraculous in their eyes, it was sustaining them in their season. It didn't look big. It didn't look boisterous. It didn't look powerful. But God was choosing it to sustain them because sometimes... God simply sustains you. Sometimes it's not Canaan yet and the walls of Jericho are not on the horizon and you've not crossed over Jordan. But sometimes God is simply sustaining you until you get there. There's still a Canaan ahead of you. There's still a promise before you. There are still doors that God is going to open. Right now it's a season where he's sustaining you. Don't get weary. Don't get worn out. Don't get downtrodden. Don't be perplexed by where you are. Sometimes God is sustaining you where you are until he can open the door for where you're going. Oh, I wish you'd lift up your hands with me across this house. There are some times that God moves and he rains fire and he tears down walls and his hand sweeps in a moment and brings direction and victory. Yet I must not neglect or negate his sustaining work. The works that don't look powerful, they don't appear mighty, but they are the very things where God sustains me until I get where he's calling me to be. Jesus would often pause a seemingly powerful work because there was a sustaining work That had just as much value. Jesus in Mark 6:31 would take a moment and pause the miraculous simply for disciples to rest. Because how do we benefit the kingdom? Absent of strength. Rest doesn't seem powerful. Rest does not seem vital. Rest doesn't seem like it's a revival message. But if you look at the principle of it throughout the scripture. All the way from Genesis into Leviticus where he would even command that the land would rest because it could not yield forth what he desired for it to yield absent of that year of rest. But sometimes when God puts us in a season of rest, we think that God has forsaken us and that God has forgotten us. And because we're trying to figure out why the fire's not falling and the walls aren't shaking and the earth isn't shattering, And God's saying, just as valuable as an earth-shattering work is a sustaining work for your soul. Just as vital as it is for seas to part and walls to fall, it's just equally as vital that you find yourself in services where the spirit of refreshing flows, where the strength of the spirit is. Where rest is found for the soul. He speaks of the Holy Ghost. The book of Joel. And describes it in this fashion. For this is the rest. Wherewith I will cause the weary to rest. Sometimes God is not going to move in the shout. Sometimes God is going to move in a sovereign peace. Peace. That floods over minds and spirits and situations. And we bask in the spirit. And we bask in his presence. Until we leave that altar with a renewed strength in our soul. With a rest in our mind. Knowing that he is going to sustain us. The musicians will help me. I'm coming quickly to a close. This is the exact thing that God would do in Mark 6, 31 when he looks at the disciples and he says, "Come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. It's not a powerful proclamation, but it was his hand simply sustaining them. Because there was more for them to do beyond that day. It may not look like a powerful work. It may look like the same manna. It may be the same 38 year old shirt. It may be the same shoes you wore out of Egypt. But don't get discouraged by that. That's the miraculous sustaining hand of God. We don't shout over the shoes like we shout over the sea, but it's nonetheless powerful that God sustained them. Don't get discouraged by the fact that sometimes God simply sustains you. Be encouraged. That he'll never leave you. That he'll never forsake you. Be encouraged. That not only is he mindful of the sea you need to part. But he's mindful of the intricate details of the shoes you need to wear. It's not powerful. It doesn't make the highlight reel of social media. It's not a sea parting experience. But don't you neglect That sometimes God is sustaining you for what lies ahead. Rest is not a revivalistic message. It's commonly overlooked. But it's a biblical principle just as much as signs, miracles, and wonders. It's not a shouting work. It's a sustaining work. When you come into a Sunday service weary in your spirit. And you find a moving of the Spirit wherein He calls the weary to rest. I know this is a time change Sunday, and I'm not angling for hype, and this is not a shout message. I'm aware. I'm aware that maybe I should have a little more voice and a little more punch and pick us all up because Spring Forward stole an hour of our sleep. But can I tell you, I cannot help but feel in the Holy Ghost that there are weary saints of God in this house and there's about to be a flooding of the Holy Ghost that is going to give you rest, that is going to renew your strength, that is going to refresh your mind, that is going to remind you that God did not leave you where you are. He's sustaining you for where you're going. There's a greater day for your children, for your family, for your ministry. There's a great day ahead for this church. God's not left anybody, He's sustaining us. Prayer closets are not always shouting times, but they will always be sustaining times. Not every time will I open my Bible that revelation will leap from its pages. Sometimes I'll just read. Maybe that doesn't happen to you. Maybe every time you open it, a cloud descends from heaven. But if I'm transparent, there's sometimes I open my Bible and my brain is mashed potatoes and I'm doing good to pronounce words and names. And not every time Does God give me divine revelation or an incredible word? But what I can't tell you is every time, this word will sustain me. Every time I read its pages, I may not know what it's doing, but it's a living word, and it does a living work, and it may not shatter me with revelation, but it will sustain me with its strength. Not every time I come to church will I shout the walls down or pray fire down from heaven. Some Sundays I'll walk in weary, worn out, tired. But never let me overlook the importance of being here on a Sunday when the shout doesn't break out. Why? Because sometimes in the spirit, just like this, God is simply sustaining you. He's simply giving you a little bit of manna in the moment. He's simply giving you a reminder that the shoes you've been wearing are still good to go. And the garment you've got on is still sufficient to get you where you're going. Never forget. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I'm three minutes and 22 seconds over time. I tell this story and I quit. I'll never forget January of 2021. We were having an incredible move of God on a Sunday night. My wife was sitting right there where you guys are at. I mean, it was just an altar call. God was moving everything in our life was fine I didn't walk in that day with some catastrophic problem in my world I walked in with everything seemingly good that I knew of I just walked in and I sang and I worshipped and I prayed and I prayed for folks and I just did my normal thing and the Lord gave my wife the most random word on that Sunday night He spoke to her in the midst of a normal season, and he said, it is well. She told me that when I got home, and I said, okay, that's great, thank the Lord for reminding us. I didn't really give much thought there because there's nothing going on in my world. The world's not turned upside down. I'm not facing chaos but I'll hold it in the back of my mind just in case. Little did we know that next week we got a phone call from Landon's birth mother. That happened on Sunday night. I believe it was either Monday or Tuesday. They called and they said, we're on our way to the hospital. Little did I know on Sunday night when nothing was going on that by Thursday night, my emotions would be on a roller coaster ride of whether adoption was gonna happen or not happen, whether the baby was good or not good, would we get to see him, would we not? I had no idea what was coming Thursday. But God knew how to give me a word on Sunday to sustain me through Thursday and Friday and Saturday until the day that God began to work it all out. Sometimes it doesn't seem powerful in the moment, but it's a sustaining work of the Spirit. When my wife looked at me and said it as well, I said, "Yeah, I know." Little did I know the sustaining work of the Spirit. God was speaking to me about something I had no idea was about to happen, that was going to take me on an emotional roller coaster ride. I don't have time to tell you the story. I'm five minutes over time. But there's sometimes God gives you a word and God doesn't work. And in the moment, you're thinking, okay, that doesn't seem just powerful. I'm not even really sure where that applies at. But God knows how to sustain you in seasons you don't even know are coming. Would you lift your hands with me across this house? I feel a sweet ministering touch of the Lord. This altar is open if you'd like to make your way. Maybe you're here today, and the sea hasn't parted, and the walls haven't failed, and the doors haven't opened. And God still hasn't told you exactly what happens from here. Can I tell you, don't grow weary and well-doing? Sometimes he simply sustains. Sometimes he simply sustains you. Sometimes he simply gives you rest and refreshing and strength. And don't overlook his miraculous power to sustain. Because we're consumed to see his miraculous power to part seas. He's still working when you don't know it. He's still speaking when you don't hear it. He's still fighting for you when you don't even have strength to fight for yourself. He's still for you when you think all the world is standing against you. When all you see is opposition, there's still a work of His hand and He is still for you.